tomorrow night you go to New York and you deal with the Lynn sanity. Have you been following that story at all? What? Jeremy Lynn, are you following that story at all? No idea. I know who he is, but I don't really know what's going on too much. You're listening to the Double Clutch Podcast, made for the British basketball fans. Brandon Roy! Brandon Roy, the three, counted, and it's a foul! And a chance to tie it! Ginobili, step back, jumper! Hello and welcome to the Double Clutch Podcast. We're back yet again for another episode. Uh, I'm joined by my usual co-host, Mr. Andy Duncan. Say hello. Hello. Who's uh, San Antonio Spurs were beaten by the Detroit Pistons six days ago. <laughs> yes. the 11-game winning streak. I know, I know. Get it out of the way. Come on, I've been giving you enough stick for the last little bit, so I can't fault you for bringing it up straight away, getting the dagger stuck in nice and early. Um, it won't last long, though. It won't last long. But no, no, I'm just, I'm just waiting for you to highlight the uh, 13. Yes, that's right. 13 three pointers the Lakers gave up last night. <laughs> oh, I, I, I didn't want to go there. You know, I thought it might have been a bit too early to uh, retaliate. But yes, 11 game win streak done by uh, the Pistons. Not only was it done by the Pistons, um, they were without Andre Drummond, who's uh, out injured. For, I think it's. A month, maybe six weeks. Um, he's got a friend. And arguably the best player at the moment. Oh, yeah. Without a shadow of a doubt. So he wasn't there. Now, granted, we didn't have Timmy D or Ginobili, but we're kind of used to them at this uh, time of the year, having a having some time off and recuperating them old bones. But um, without them there, that this fella, this big fella, I've not seen him before, called Max Seal, and he was just dominating. If you imagine kind of Shaq in his prime, um I know that's probably a, a, a bit much of uh, a compliment to this fella, but he was, he must be what, six, eight, six, nine, if not taller, but he's solid. He's a good 18, 19 stone. And he was just bullying everybody inside the paint. There was a few times you saw him go up to the rim for a tomahawk. That everyone just cleared out of the way. It was comical. They didn't <laughs> want to get posterized by this boy, but credit where credit's due. Um, it's, it's one of the few games I actually watched in this last fortnight. Um, the Pistons were up by about 20-odd points at one point in the second quarter. And you, you don't normally come back from from that sort of performance, and, and they didn't. But um, since then, before the All-Star break, they've gone on a, a three-game rodeo road trip. Well, they're still on the road trip when the All-Star break finishes. But um, they beat the Nets, they beat the Bulls, and they beat the Cavaliers. So it's looking good. 
What about your Lakers, Any? He gave you a good old doing. Well, to be fair, Detroit should have done us over in the first place. That was last uh, last week. Um, we managed to somehow beat Brooklyn. Kobe Bryant absolutely facialized somebody with a dunk. It was it was he ran around Gerald Wallace and killed the guy. Basically, it was one of the best things I've ever seen Kobe Bryant do. And this kid's done a lot of stuff. This kid, old man, even. <laughs> um, Last night wasn't great. They lost to the uh, the arch rivals, the no, Los Angeles. No, you didn't. No lose. championship Clippers. You didn't lose. You got in. All right, we were blown out. <laughs> it was a blowout. I have not. I've. I only saw the highlights, but my goodness, you were dreadful. Blown out on the home court, one hundred twenty-five to one hundred and one. Oh my god, that's insane! That you get beaten yeah. like that. It wasn't nice. We also got uh, demolished by the Heat at the weekend. They were pretty efficient. Although the game was, was really close. It's because um, Tom Wright did a, did a review for the blog. and Because um, I was at work. So I came back and I had a look at that and put that up. And by the sounds of it, it was a pretty close game. I managed to get the highlights through on Sky Sports at like 2pm the following day. So I watched that. And um, no, they, they looked like they were, they were competing. Dwight's playing a lot better than he has been. He's sort of manned up because... During the week we've had, the two weeks we've been off, obviously, we've had the whole Kobe Bryant said he wasn't man enough and Dwight took offence and he got his dad got involved and the whole Laker family got involved and Jerry Buss said this and Magic Johnson said that and it's just exploding the whole sort of... I mean, the funniest thing I was, was I was watching First Take the other day and Stephen A. Smith actually said, Steve Nash is now Steve Blake. And I was like, how has this happened? I mean, you've gone from a player who was pulling, you know, the Phoenix Suns through playoff games every season for the past God knows how you know decade, and he's come here and he's become sort of a, a, a bench role player. And Pau Gasol's not been playing well. Obviously, he injured himself against Boston, so he is now out. Which means your view of them probably making the playoffs from the last show is probably gone now. <laughs> I I think it might be. Uh, Nash is is definitely getting on a bit. Is you can see that he's still getting bothered with that back, um, and. I can see why they, they would talk about Blake and Nash in the same argument, because as much as Nash is a starter, I think Blake's getting more minutes than him. Um, and he's actually putting up good assist numbers from what I've seen. And however, just coming back to your, your Dwight Howard argument, he hasn't been playing well. And maybe this is just a rocket up his ass that he needed, because normally you would be putting him in with all defensive player of the year conversations. That hasn't happened. You know, Chandler's winning that race, hands down. Um, if it wasn't for Brian, I know we go on and on about Kobe. Um, I think he was, what, 10 for 20 in, in terms of assists and points or something along those lines. Um, and Which game was this? The the Clippers game. If if it wasn't for him, then you would have been left for dead. If, if you know, the points difference would have been even greater. Um, so I, I do think he's, he is Mr. Laker. He, he doesn't criticize too much, but when he does, you know it's warranted. And the rest of them need to pick it up because as much as Kobe's carried them for the last little bit, he's getting on and all as well. And I, I don't think he can keep up this tempo for much longer. Your other players need to come out and play and play for that jersey. No, you are right. Let's just keep just keep adding to it. Pile the paid on. Come on, keep them coming. Keep them coming. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they're at the stage right now where, you know, they have to have Kobe has to go off on one each night and he needs to score, you know, 20, 30 points to 
to keep them in games and that's just the way it's working now Dwight's been really good on the offensive end I mean he's averaging like 18 points which isn't too bad and defensively his rebounds are still you know mid- middle of the range some of, some of the highest in the league but the the role players you know Earl Clark has been who to thought during the off season that the biggest acquisition for the Los Angeles Lakers this season would be Earl Clark I mean the guy's been fantastic but no it's been it's been a top you know an up and down week well, two weeks for the Lakers. I mean, we beat Brooklyn, which was a, a good game to win. And then they went into Boston. They got blown out in the garden by a Boston Celtics team where, um, you know, uh, there was one play in that game and it was on Shaqton the Fool, Shaqton the, Fool uh, the other night that summed up that game. And Kobe tried to, Kobe took an inbound pass and he tried to give it to Nash and I can't remember who it was. I think it was Avery Bradley. It was just in between them, stole the ball and laid it up and in. And, and Kobe and Nash were just sort of looking at each other. So, I mean, it's all going wrong right now. And um, Howard's been coming out again saying he doesn't know where, you know, if his future lies in Los Angeles. Because there's a fantastic interview that was that's up on YouTube you can actually look at where Stephen A. Smith from First Take interviewed Dwight. And he's like, you realise, you know, Dwight, if you don't play up to your expectations here and you, you leave and you join another team, then this Lakers team is effectively done for, you know, the next... 10 years probably because they've got no picks for the draft they're not going to get anyone decent if they trade away they're only going to get you know players with high contracts which isn't what you want in the league at the moment so they're in they're, they've gone all in and you know the, the Laker organisation has put everything into this one season and um, it's all sort of turned heads up for them sort of cracked the egg open and Humpty Dumpty fell off the wall <laughs> That, that's impressive. I never thought you could put the Lakers and Humpty Dumpty into the the same sort of sentence. But well done for that. Yeah, they they, won't, they don't get put back together again. <laughs> <laughs> Wilt Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Shaquille O'Neal. The question about you not only evolves around whether you can have the same impact that those individuals have, but whether or not you actually want to have it as a member of the Los Angeles Lakers. To that you say what to those who have a question as to whether you want it bad enough or not in purple and gold? The reason why I play basketball is because I want to be one of the greatest to ever play. And I have a great opportunity. I have a great chance to do it in L.A. And um, it takes time. When you say it takes time, Laker fans are saying, no, we don't have but so much time. These it's guys, almost these, over these for people, Kobe. These people aren't playing, though. Hmm. We, we, we are the ones out there playing, you know. And if you look at the years where Kobe won with Shaq, when Shaq first got to L.A., they didn't win right away. Everybody know what happened to them. It took them three years. Kobe Bryant, he's launched about 1,014 shots. You have less than 450 shots. Kobe has a thousand and fourteen. No problems with that whatsoever. You playing with Kobe Bryant, you know, uh, he's gonna get him up. Um, but at the same time, I have to find ways to still be effective. I can't allow that to affect how I play. You know, there were a lot of times early in the season where I would get upset, you know, because I felt like, you know, he shot the ball a lot, and you know, I wanted some touches down low. Do I want touches? Yeah. But whatever I have to do to help this team win, 
you know, I have to keep my mind in that area. You come into the season recovering from your back surgery. Now you've got a shoulder issue. If you had to project where you are health-wise right now, where would it be? Well, with my back, you know, uh, it's not all the way there. Um, 75% and with my shoulder, it's day-to-day. This is the first year recovering off a of back surgery. I really don't think people understand the severity of, you know, uh, the surgery and uh, the injury and how long it takes to recover. Even sitting down in this chair right now uh, is causing my legs to go numb and, you know, just have this, this tingly sensation all the way down my legs. So that happens when I'm playing. Uh, that happens, you know, when I'm just sitting on the bench for a couple minutes, you know, and it's not easy. When I look at you, I see a level of production that's relatively consistent. You're shooting the ball less from the field, but you're still averaging 17 and 11, which is more than respectable. But you're shooting 49.6% from the free throw line. What is that about? Is that about your conditioning? Is that about the shoulder, the back, or something else? I step up to the line in games, and I think so much about missing because everybody's saying, I can't shoot free throws. And instead of just going up there and shooting it. And when I do have those games where I go up there and shoot it, they're good, you know, so my thing is, is all mental. In high school, I was 90% from the line. 90? Yeah. 9-0? You? Me. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's all mental. You know, the, the biggest thing when I'm playing is that I have to be free. You know, just go out there and just have fun and be free. With the situation in Orlando as your backdrop, there are some people, they called you, a franchise killer, they called you a coach killer, they called you a lot of incendiary things like that. Being the sensitive guy that you are, caring about a lot of different things. When you talk about going to different cities and the kind of things people say about you, what hurts you the most? For people to think that I wanted to pull that franchise down is is ridiculous to me. Um, when I spent my whole my first eight years in the league, building it up. And there's no, re- no reason for me to want to tear it down. Coach Mike D'Antoni, the frenetic pace that he'd like y'all to play, the fact that he's not known to really throw the ball inside to a post, you know, to somebody that has a post presence or a big man down low. He doesn't mind jacking up shots from the perimeter. He doesn't give you a no-name. If you're on the court wearing purple and gold, you have a license to shoot. To that, you say what? We can't control, you know, who gets the ball. We can't control, well, I can't, I'm not a point guard. If I could bring the ball down the court every time, that'd be fun. Uh, but for me, only thing I can do is control how hard I play. And coming into this season, you guys had championship expectations. Where does your expectations lie now? Getting to the playoffs and winning the championship. You still have the same aspirations, the same expectations. I do. They haven't changed one bit. They haven't changed. It's made it a little tougher, but it hasn't changed. The fact that it's been tougher, how about your desires to re- remain in a Los Angeles Lakers uniform? Mr. Free Agent to be Dwight Howard come July? Right now, my only focus is to get us into the playoffs and win the championship. Nothing else matters at this point. Do you understand that although those words are admirable, it's still non-committal to the Lakers organization? I'm committed to this team and us winning the championship. If you're not here, the Lakers, for the foreseeable future, is probably not going anywhere. 
that obviously makes you a very, very important piece to this franchise's future. When you hear those words, what goes through your mind? I understand what, you know, the Lakers want. But I also understand that right now there's no need for all the circus and all the stuff that happened last year to start back up. I don't want it. My team doesn't need it. I don't need it. And frankly, our fans don't need it either. How does Dwight Howard want the basketball world and the public at large to view him? Well, first of all, I'm not a crybaby. I didn't try to cry my way out of Orlando. That was never my intention or not what I did at all. Um, And I understand everybody thought it was that way because of what was being put out there. I'm not indecisive. I love this game. You know, I play it because it inspires me. It inspires millions of kids around me, adults and all. And I'm going to have fun while I do it. Excellent. That that was a good analogy. And and you make a valid point. You know, they've put a lot of time and effort into getting Howard there. But in saying that, if, if they wanted him to stay, I'm sure they could have offered him a bigger contract. So as much as he's undecided what he wants to do, there's nothing. Well, they can, they can offer him a bigger contract, but they can't offer him it until the season's up. His contract has to run out and then they have first dibs on him and they can pay more money, can't they, than other teams? Well, we'll need to wait and see. It's going to be one of those. It's almost like the, the, the trade all over again, isn't it, really? Um, well, the most embarrassing thing was going into the garden and being blown out 21 points by, you know, it's arguably one of the biggest rivalries in world sport, the you know, the Lakers and the Celtics. And it wasn't even a competition. And I was on Twitter that night with a bunch of other people who were on, you know, on our Twitter feed. And it was, you know, what, what are these Lakers? These aren't Lakers. There's no passion from any of them apart from Kobe Bryant. And Howard especially didn't seem to realize how big that game was. And I mean, obviously he played for Orlando, so I can't really think of any equivalent game that they had that was a bigger rivalry as this. I mean, this is the biggest rivalry in the NBA. You can argue against me if you want. But it is, to me, the biggest, in terms of championships and team rivalry, this is it. And there was no heart from any of them apart from Kobe. And last night, it was shown again. Kobe had 20 points and, you know, however many assists and whatnot. And you've got Dwight Howard, who, who had 18 points, but still comes off moaning about you know, his arm or whatnot. And when they lost to the uh, to the Miami Heat on Sunday night, he was talking about missed um, jumpers and things like that. And it's like, dude, you're not supposed to be taking these things. It's other people's job to do that. So why are you bothering in the first place? But I, I don't know. I think Dwight's the issue, if I'm being honest. I don't. I think I'd have rather been the same Laker team that we had last year with that Andrew Bynum at the centre, even though he is injured. <laughs> I can I can see your point, and it's a difficult one to say. Um, first of all, I think you're right historically with the Lakers and the Celtics being the biggest game on the NBA calendar, um, but soon that's going to be overtaken by something else because the teams haven't had um, the, the all-star caliber players that, that have brought that particular fixture up to the fold. You know, the, Kevin Garnett is is probably the, the the biggest player left there behind Paul Pierce. Um, and there's rumours of Garnett going in the window as well. Um, the Lakers, after Kobe's away, you, you'll need to wait and see. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it turns into something like, um, well, you can't really put Miami into that argument because they're not 
um, as much as they're a big team right now, they're not a recognized franchise like the Lakers. You need somebody with a lot of history in this. So it, it will be overtaken at some point, but right now you are right. That is the biggest fixture. That's a hell of a tangent I just went off on, but never mind. <laughs> um, but well, yes, it, you're right. I think I think I would rather have a fit Andrew Bynum in the Lakers team than a, a, a fit Dwight Howard. But if he gets into the team and they run uh, the high pick and roll off him, and if, if Natch was a bit fitter than what he was, I think if that team could come together, then they should be performing much better than what they actually are. I think they've been injured a lot um, and they haven't actually had uh, a, a chance to put your kind of big three or maybe big four on, on the park at any one time um, to be able to see how well they would gel together. The thing is, this Lakers team's built for the playoffs. I mean, the, if they get to the playoffs, there'll be, you know, there'll be trouble for anyone. But at the moment, especially with Powell going down, it's kind of all gone out the window because it was all, we're going to trade Powell, we're going to trade Powell. And it's like, you know, whoops, he's been injured. Now what do we do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they don't really ha- seem to have had a, a backup plan for it. But when you look at, you know, Boston, because they're the best team to, you know, parallel the Lakers against right now. Boston kept that core together. They haven't split, they didn't really split their championships up, you know, championship teams up, apart from when they got rid of Perkins and they sent him to Oklahoma and they brought in Jeff Green, who was a pretty adequate replacement. It's only really this year that they've sort of been split up and sent all over the place and they're still playing fantastic basketball. And it's because they keep their core together. Whereas the two best players right now for the Lakers are probably Bryant on his form and Meta World Peace. Everyone else is just, there's no one there. I mean, where are the recon, you know, the recognizable names from late past Laker championship teams? I mean, we've got rid of them all, we've traded them away or fiddled around. I still don't agree with the Odom trade from the last season. That, that uh, was a bizarre one. Before. Yeah. He, he just... was, <laughs> he was like the best sixth man that particular season. And then he went away and then he went to Dallas and no one's ever seen from what from him since. Well, Matt Barnes stuck 11 points on us last night. I mean, he used to play for the Lakers. Granted, Odom only got one point, but he's, he was a fantastic role player when he played for the Lakers. And so was Matt Barnes. And we just, the the Lakers right now don't have a bench. They're a starting lineup, and even then they're a shaky starting lineup at best. Whereas you look at the teams in this league that are doing really well, and they've all got, you know, significant benches like like the Clippers. I mean, the Clippers have arguably got the best bench in the league right now because, you know, that you get twenty five thirty points out of them a night, which is more than you get from most teams' bench. You you raise a valid point, um, but. They would have known that when they were making these trades. And I don't think they took into account somebody like Gasol being as vital to the team as what he was. You know, yeah. it, we, we called it in the, or I called it in the previous show saying that he probably wouldn't get <laughs> as much minutes because of Howard. Now, granted, he's not getting as much minutes because of Howard, but that's not because Dwight Howard is playing any better basketball. It's just because the guy's injured. Um, so I don't think they... They, they put up for that and especially with the bench you need to get strength and depth because people like Kobe as much as that they want to play the 48 minutes they can't give you 48 minutes game in game out it's as simple no. as that and I think the really funny thing that kind of sums up the way the Lakers are playing right now just keeping on the topic of the Lakers because we know it entertains everybody how bad they are um, Brian has come out and is actually now suddenly friendly with Shaq again I saw and that yeah I saw it on Twitter the other day 
was kind kind of amusing this because Shaq was at the game the other night and he was he got take he got escorted away from the game by Will Ferrell who was uh, dressed as a red coat which was hilarious. So then <laughs> that was going on, but um, they were shaking hands and chatting and joking. And Kobe and uh, Shaq came out and basically said that they've they've made up now. And I think Kobe has sort of been you know humbled by what's happened recently because when obviously he was with that championship team with with Shaq they were always at each other kind of like you know Brian and Howard are at the moment but Shaq dominated every game he played whereas Howard isn't doing this it would be all right if these two were arguing and Howard was playing like you know he can play injury or not every other big player in the league plays for injuries you look at LeBron got you know he got knocked down in the finals a couple of years ago and got back up and played on Kevin Durant last night and that was nasty watching that live he went up to to rebound the ball and he got stuck on the top of Chris Anderson's shoulder and just fell completely onto his front with his sort of left arm popping out to the to, to the opposite side of where his body was and it looked like you know he'd snapped something and you could hear something go but no one knew if that was you know him hitting the floor or a bone or something but he kept the, the possession alive what was horrible coming down, hitting the floor with his hip. That was an awful sound. We could hear it over here. I hope it's his hip and not his shoulder. Well, for a shooter, you definitely don't want it to be your shoulder. All right, here's another look at it off the shot by Collison. There's no foul. Oh, that looks like it's his left shoulder. Yeah. The crowd wanted a foul on Anderson. There was nothing yeah. there, but that's a dangerous, scary play. Looks like it's his left shoulder. Keeps the possession alive, oh, boy. but he doesn't even get a chance to get his hands around to yeah. brace his fall. Could have been his ribs even the way he landed. The, the crowd, you can hear them expressing their, their anger at the officials, but frankly, I didn't see a, a foul on that one or on that drive when Cole swiped the ball out of his hands. Players of this caliber play through injuries, and Dwight... Yeah, granted, he's doing it, but he's like, oh, I'm injured. I can't take free throws properly. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, it's not good enough. You're at, the the um, funniest thing about said, that interview is um, he come out and said, at high school, I was a really good free throw shooter. And, and yeah, <laughs> so, like, for the free throw. Like, all right, like, yeah. Yeah, right. right. You're pulling my leg. No, seriously, I was. <laughs> what did you say to that, Dwight? Yeah. But it's, it's just like Dwight at the moment is annoying Lakers fans because he doesn't have the mentality of a Laker. The Lakers are an organization built for one thing, to win championships year in, year out. Boston are exactly the same. Miami is slowly becoming that, coming that now. And Miami invite players in during the offseason and, you know, they all take lesser contracts so they can have a better, uh, you know, a deeper bench and a better squad. LeBron James is the best player in the world right now and his contract is nothing compared to someone like Kobe Bryant's or, you know, Dwight Howard or any of the big, huge stars you can think of in this league. And, Los Angeles need to do something like that and it's going to take a heck of a lot of work to do and it's not going to happen quickly. So us as Lakers fans may as well get used to just, you know, having a mediocre team for the next five or ten years. I mean, it's just going to, it's just not going to be fun. So I'm resigning. I'm going to Seattle if the team appears. <laughs> bring back the Supersonics. Oh yeah, baby, please bring back the Supersonics. But um, no, that Boston game is interesting because they actually ESPN highlighted the article and they called it Boston Massacre, which was uh, hilarious. And I know um, Kevin Garnett actually hit a career high that night, didn't he? And uh, got a standing ovation from the crowd. And I, I think... Did he not also go past the points barrier in that game as well? Yeah, he did. 20,000. 25,000, yeah. 25,000. 
and um, after the game, right, Paul and Durant came out. Paul and Durant, Paul and um, Kevin came out, and they said, you know, this is a weird Lakers team playing against because there was no, there's no fight from them. And traditionally, over the last sort of three years, you know, the Lakers and the Celtics have been at each other's throats during these games, and it just wasn't happening. And they said the only player who looked like he had any fight in him whatsoever was. You know, it was Kobe, and Kobe knows what it is to be a Laker. Whereas some of these other guys don't. You know, they've brought Nash in, whose heart is arguably still in Phoenix, and you know, Howard is just, oh, I want a big city, and then he turns up in a big city, and he's scared of all the lights. <laughs> so uh, no, it's not going well for for the Lakers at the moment. So uh, moving on to Derek Rose again, as he was in our last show, he's uh, saying he won't be back for the season. What do you think of this, considering what we were saying last week about how he could be a pivotal point? Were, were you uh, surprised when he said he well, he doesn't think he's going to get back in time? I was considering um, when I caught the the Bull Spurs game the other day. He was actually out on the floor warming up. Granted, you knew he wasn't <laughs> going to play. You knew he wasn't <laughs> going to play, but he was out there shooting shots um, and and doing some some light exercises on the court. So he looked as though you know in a couple of months' time that he might be fit, but in, in the same breath, you could see that he was really struggling. Normally, the guy had major hops. Now, chances are he wasn't pushing himself. And it was almost like little heel kicks. He was literally getting one or two inches off the floor. Nothing spectacular. And maybe he's just putting the, the work in now and will come back for the, the next season fitter and stronger. I, I think it would be too much of a risk to bring your franchise player back in just for a run in uh, the playoffs and get put out in the first or second round. I think that would be too much of a risk for that boy's career. Yeah, well, he said he can't dunk and he came out and said, you know, his leg's not feeling right at all. So he he obviously knows where his limitations are and he's not willing to come out and mess it up. And an ACL injury is, you know, that's, that's a nasty thing to have to deal with. So <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't want him to rush back and, you know, ruin a, a, a fantastic future because, He's still arguably one of the best players in the league if when he's on form, but we'll have to see what he's like when he comes back. And to be honest, if he misses the season, it's, it, I don't think it's going to really bother us now because we're nearly in the playoffs. And once they're, they're over, I mean, the Bulls will probably be knocked out in a couple of rounds. So uh, I don't think it'll be, a, it'll be a huge loss. And they're playing fantastic stuff without him anyway. Again, as, as we mentioned last uh, week, oh, sorry, a fortnight ago, they're, they're playing some fantastic <laughs> defence. They're definitely missing him on the offensive end, but defensively, granted the Spurs um, beat them. <laughs> but um, they're, they're, Spurs beat everyone. Just get used to it. Apart from Detroit, <laughs> apart from Detroit, but um, they, they are they are playing some some nice basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to bring up the Grizzlies. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. It's a long, it's a long season. No playoffs. Um, but I got a tweet from Matt Harrier the other night going. Uh, Sorry, Matt Ramsey. He was like, oh my God, the Grizzlies are playing well and Tayshaun Prince is playing well. <laughs> I was like, yeah, they've been quite good all season. <laughs> so you see how it all goes. See how it all unfolds. Time, yeah, time will tell. I, I reckon they they maybe do get through the first round, depending on who they get picked against. If, if the league's going at the minute, I think they get Boston or Milwaukee. Um, so yeah, I, that's definitely I, I think they would have a field day with a limping Chicago team but it it, it all depends on, on how it goes there's still 
plenty of places up for grabs. The Timberwolves can still make the Western Conference playoffs. The Lakers can still lose getting in the playoffs, but we just need to wait and see. <laughs> if the Lakers make the playoffs, then, like, I don't know, I'll have to come on a show and not talk about the Lakers for the whole show. That'll be my bet. <laughs> That's... <laughs> to not discuss the Lakers. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. If they make the playoffs, then I won't talk about the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 will be the the episode that we miss in this new um, fortnightly format. <laughs> Another thing that was really random for the last two weeks is the Warriors unveiled their new uh, short sleeve modern jersey, as they call it. It just looks like a football shirt, and I mean a British football shirt. Have you seen this? I have indeed. Yet they are the the first team to do so. Um, so we, we know that the basketball shirts are the kind of swingman sleeveless jerseys, but the, the Warriors are bringing out. Um, it, it does look like, as Matt said, a, a football or soccer shirt. Um, <laughs> and it, it sounds bizarre to say this, but it looks odd. It doesn't look like a basketball shirt. Granted, it's exactly no. the same as their standard shirt. It's just got sleeves on it and it sleeves and it looks it. weird tight sleeves as well it looks tight really sleeves weird. which is annoying people because a lot of the players have come out saying i can't show off my tattoos <laughs> i've got to be able to show off my art it's like oh dude i can't extend my arms i can't do this i can't do that but it just looks it does look odd don't get me wrong i've got a couple of um training tops for the spurs that are like proper t-shirts but it doesn't look right you know i'm sure moving forward a lot of them may adapt, adapt this approach. I, I don't know, but it just seems strange that all of a sudden they bring out a new home shirt for the rest of the season and it's got sleeves on it. Mm. Andrew Boga and uh, David Lee are just going to tear those sleeves off during the first game, you can tell. <laughs> well, I don't know. Their first game with the Mons against the Spurs, so uh, hopefully they, they restrict them and, and Eddie Curry can't do his stuff and uh, the, the Spurs win again. But <laughs> Tear the sleeves off and leave the sleeves on the floor as trippy things for Tony Parker to fall over on. <laughs> <laughs> that would be too mean. <laughs> it would be, but yes. Watch this space and see how that turns out. So another game that took place last night was uh, the much-anticipated uh, finals rematch between the uh, Miami Heat and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, did you catch any of this? Because I only caught the first quarter, but I managed to see bits and bobs of the game today. I, I didn't actually see the full game. I've only seen the highlights, unfortunately. Awesome. Well, uh, Miami won 110 to 100, which is a really unfair score because Miami were up by 22 points at one point in this game. Um, LeBron James went off on one, 39 points, which is just ridiculous. Chris Bosh had a double-double. He had 20 points and 12 rebounds. Um, Kevin Durant scored over 40, I believe, which is like his fifth straight game, scoring 40 points or more or something ridiculous. Um, Westbrook had 26, which was funny because everyone was like, he's going to go off on one. So that's that's sort of, I don't know if you can call that going off on one to Kevin Durant's extent or James's extent. Well, if you think about it with Westbrook, he's, he has had uh, arguably his, his best season this year because we were slagging him off in some of our earlier episodes for his poor shot selection um and poor passing it still is poor it's it's getting better it's getting dude better. dude if this thunder team had tony parker i'd put him in the finals and win it right now if any team had tony parker because or chris tony paul parker is just the bee's knees you know you know where russell westbrook belongs i'm gonna hate saying this he belongs in a laker uniform 
<laughs> He's a sort of crazy, arrogant-minded person we need. <laughs> Kobe's replacement. <laughs> I, I don't quite think he would be Kobe's replacement. I, I think he and, and Durant are what are keeping Oklahoma going because in that particular game, no other player was in double figures for Oklahoma. And that that's how it, you can't really compare Westbrook to Durant because Durant has been the leading scorer in the Free league um, for the, the last few seasons. You can't put Westbrook into that that conversation and I don't think you ever will be able to put him in that conversation but the fact now that um, he's passing a lot more I think against Miami he was double figures for assists um, and I I think he's certainly learning he's still young um, and yes some of his shot selection is poor but if you compare him to what he was like last season or the season before I think he's he's growing as a player and I personally think that's down to Harden leaving. He's had to yeah. step up. Well, he's had, he's had to adapt to, to, to you know, a more scoring role. Not that he was not scoring in the first place, but <laughs> um, he has had to shoulder a bit more of the burden, as has Westbrook, because Westbrook's production's gone up and he's a little bit smarter than he was last season. But I still think out of all the players on that team, Russell Westbrook is is the weak point for the Thunder because in big games, he still has issues with making the right pass and, you know, turning the ball over and things like that. And they they haven't got a great record against Miami. I think that's five straight losses they've had to, like, no, it'd be more than that, six or seven straight losses to, to Miami, including the final series. So they, they don't play well against the Miami Heat, which is an issue because come playoff time and come finals, if they get there, then the chances are they're either going to face, you know, the, the Miami Heat or the, the Knicks or someone like that. So... They have, they. I think they have an issue at point, and I think people have picked up on this. As you know, the ESPN guys and whatnot have all picked up on Westbrook being not necessarily a bad player, but a bad point guard. He's he's a scoring point guard. He's not in the top point guards of the league. He's not up there with Chris Paul or or Tony Parker or you know even Rajon Rondo, who's who is out injured. But you know, I think. I can't see the Thunder winning a final series, which is really disturbing because I wrote an article literally a couple of days ago um, entitled Thunderstruck <laughs> about um, how this team has just sort of, you know, exploded onto the, into the Western Conference over the last few seasons. I mean, they, they were the, the Sonics and then they, they've had, what, four straight years, three straight years in the playoffs? They've only had one regular season without, without being in the playoffs. Now, for a young team, that's, that's a stunning stat and um they played golden state the night I, uh, the night after i wrote the article so this would have been february the 6th i think and um they completely steamrolled them and it was scarily impressive durant had 25 points westbrook had 21 kevin martin who disappeared last night in the miami game he had 21 as well so he sort of made up for you know losing harden but i wrote at the end of that article that i think come the playoffs that james harden could be the sort of player they missed because Arguably, he helped them pass your Spurs last season. I, the, I uh... think their pace took them past the Spurs last season because uh, Oklahoma play a lot of fast-break basketball, and, and that's to their strength. And I think that's why they struggle against Miami because that's their, their A game, and Miami can keep up with them when it comes to that sort of thing. So uh, it's, it's going to take a lot of adapting from there. And as you said, I think that's what five or six on the bounce that they've lost. And mm. 
they have this mentality issue right now with the Miami Heat where I have a funny feeling they're going into games thinking, you know, oh God, we can't really win this. <laughs> you could be right. You could be right. But saying that the form that LeBron's been in, you couldn't argue against, you know, let's flagrant Bron to see if we can injure him. I think that's the only well, way you could stop the man at the minute. Well, the whole this whole debate still goes back to what was it? Game two of the finals in uh, Oklahoma last year, where there was the foul, well, the not the foul that wasn't called on Kevin Durant. You know, yep. that could have changed the game. That would have been two nil series lead to the Thunder. You know, the young team, momentum behind them, going away to Miami for three straight games. I mean, that call or that no call, sorry, was absolutely huge. And last night, I from the first quarter I watched, there were a lot of not necessarily poor officiating, but bad officiating calls going, you know, like Durant getting called for charges when it wasn't a charge and not getting, you know, not getting shooting fouls when trying to shoot the ball. And I think Miami have figured out how to play Durant and they don't necessarily double team him, but they, they mix up who's on him. So he doesn't get used to who's defended him. And when you've added in, you know, new players like Ray Allen and um, Anderson who've come into the game and you've got them guarding him, it's, it's a bit odd. And, one point during the game, LeBron James was uh, was on the perimeter up against Perkins, I think it was. And the ESPN commentators, sorry, the TNT commentators are sitting there screaming, this is a stupid, mis- you know, this is a mismatch. Why haven't Oklahoma done something about this? And James just sort of, you know, he did that thing where he moved his left foot twice, popped back and stuck a three over the top of Perkins' head. And it went in naturally because at the moment, LeBron James has suddenly figured out how to hit that three which he, he hasn't been great at doing over his career. And now he's just sort of exploded from beyond the arc. And I don't know, there's just there's just this whole mismatch thing when they go into this game. And they tried to play small ball against Miami for a couple of minutes in the first quarter as well. And that didn't work. So I, I think they just need to, they need to beat them once somehow, whether it be in, you know, a, a 99 to 100 win, or they need to win a close game to prove that they can beat these guys. Because... At the moment, I think whenever the Thunder play the Heat, because of that final series, that they just have this this aura of invincibility around them. So <laughs> it's, it's definitely an interesting one. But I think it is arguably we're talking about historic and you know the best matchups in the NBA. I think this is this is probably the one for the future. The uh, the Heat and the Thunder, especially if the Thunder keep getting you know keep getting more talented and, and better. Because if Westbrook can sort out the way he plays and not just be an offensive weapon, then I think. Oklahoma could seriously struggle people because they've got the best crowd in the NBA by far. Um, they they got 70% of the vote during the uh, business uh, insider votes last year between the general managers. So I think they've definitely got, you know, they've got the crowd and the atmosphere behind them and come come a final series, that, that helps hugely. And we've seen that before in, you know, game sevens where the home team has usually ended up winning because of the home crowd. So I think it's, it's definitely one to watch, but the Thunder's bench last night, like you said, they just they just disappeared, whereas Miami's didn't. I mean, Ray Allen had 13 points. Norris Cole had nine. I mean, that kid has been sensational. Well, he's been in the league, what, two years now? And he's just been fantastic. I mean, he walked into this superstar team the year after the big three went there, and he's just come out on fire. And Mario Chalmers has been playing okay. I mean, he only had six points last night, but he came out saying he was one of the best point guards in the league, didn't he? idiot <laughs> and Shane Battier is playing well I mean Wade has been on and off but he has been injured so he arguably has an excuse but when LeBron James is playing the way LeBron James is playing right now um, I don't think 
many teams are going to stop him. And LeBron's got to this point in his career, which we'll talk about in a minute, where I think he now realizes he's the best player on the court any given night. But the thing is, he can go... as much as he may know that, um, I caught uh, an interview with him after this game. Is as much as he's he's humbled by that fact, and you can't take that away from him, he still goes out and gives it his all. Um, he he will bust a gut, as you've already mentioned. If he gets knocked down, he gets straight back up again, shakes himself off, and gets on with it. You don't hear LeBron James moaning about an injury. Or no. granted, he he will go up to an official if he thinks he's been fouled wrongly. Um, look at look at the final as he game. did last night to tumultuous booze. <laughs> exactly, that that's that's the sort of player he is. But um, if you go back to the finals game last year, he got he had to get carried off the court because he was that tired, um, cramping up. Exactly, he? but yeah, he still managed to get the ball top of the key and nail a three. You know, it, the the man will go until he physically can't go anymore, and you need more players like that in the league. Yeah, Howard certainly isn't that type of player. <laughs> Let's not even go on about Dwight Howard. I'm fed up with that man already. It's just get him out of Los Angeles. Send him somewhere. Send him somewhere awful. Trade him to Charlotte. That'll teach him. <laughs> oh, well, MJ, MJ, birthday boy, could maybe um, help him there. You never know. We'll have MJ on the Lakers. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> Still balling at 50. But Miami right now are just... There's, there's, there's something about this team that makes, you know, they're the reason to watch this sport right now because they're so unbelievable whenever they play. And you mentioned the way LeBron James is playing. I mean, was he broken like five records in the past week or something ridiculous? It's just absolutely insane. It's put this whole debate back into question as to whether or not, you know, he can be or can even surpass, you know, someone like Michael Jordan and, and Kobe Bryant. So uh, we'll, we'll go on to that. LeBron James, by the time he finishes, is going to be one of the 10 greatest players ever. It's an honor for me as a fan. I haven't got to the point where I'm going to say he's going to be Michael Jordan, but by the time he finishes, I think that would be a legitimate question. First of all, it's, it's, it's blasphemous for anybody to say somebody may be better than Michael Jordan. Of course, I don't agree with that. I would never agree with that. Michael Jordan is the greatest player. Well, I then that should be the end of this discussion. <laughs> no, it shouldn't be, because here's where you and I will probably part ways. Michael Jordan is the greatest player that I have ever seen in my lifetime. What makes Michael Jordan great is that little something inside of his chest that I have never seen any athlete equal or surpass. Stephen A., I think that LeBron James just might be the greatest stat sheet stuffer we've ever seen. I think as a stat machine, I think he's beyond Michael Jordan. I think he will eclipse Michael Jordan in every statistical category. Kobe in his prime or LeBron in his prime? Kobe Start your team. Yeah. Oh, prime. Kobe. Thank you. No, no, no. I said Thank you. Kobe okay. and LeBron. Okay. okay. I said LeBron Kobe and LeBron. doesn't belong in this conversation. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, if you take Kobe one and then I, I go second, I, I mean, it doesn't matter. You know, um, you know, I don't really get too involved about, you know, what guys say about me or you know, if you take Kobe or if you take LeBron. You know, I just, 
I just want to, you know, as long as I'm on the floor and I try to make plays you know, for my teammates, I don't, I don't do what I do for other people's support. Down a one, James, again over the bed out. Great heat with a three-pointer. I'm telling you, when he starts to make those shots, which he has obviously this season on a consistent basis, it's going to be lights out. I think when, when you're having that sort of debate, as much as LeBron is breaking records left, right, and center, you, you can't argue with the boy's talent. Greatness is measured by championships. And I don't think realistically you could have somebody like LeBron, um, higher up any sort of greatness ranking until he starts winning more. Now I'm not trying to say that the Heat won't win anymore because I'm I'm sure they will. They they look favorites to do it this season and providing they can keep the the big three fit and still get um good input from their bench players as we mentioned before the break. Um then there, there's nothing that says that they won't get there. But to put him into that conversation, I'm I'm sure he will become uh, um a higher point scorer than Kobe and MJ and maybe get more assists, blah, 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 and compare them statistically. But there potentially could be the one glowing statistic that he may fall short on. And that is championship wins. Yeah. Well, cause physically as a basketball player, he's just got everything. And he, I think as an all round basketball player, he's probably better than, you know, both of both of the two that we mentioned. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, He's averaging sort of 27 points this year and his shooting is just insane. Like, you know, it's above 50% every night. It's usually above 60% every night. I think it was 57 in the game against the Thunder, which is a low for the season or something ridiculous. So the way the guy plays, and the one thing we forget about LeBron James is we always have this, because of his Cleveland days, we have this enigma that, you know, LeBron James is a selfish, arrogant player. He's not. Oh, no. Everything about this Miami Heat team tells you he isn't. When you have Shane Battier and, you know, Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosch all coming out saying he's the best teammate I could possibly hope to have, then how can people still have this mindset that LeBron James is arrogant? I think I, I feel sorry for Miami in a way because some people still think they're this arrogant team that, you know, we're going to win six championships or whatever it was. And they're not. They've, I think that loss against Dallas where they shouldn't have lost, they were the better team. Dirk just had an absolute crazy few games and killed them. And I, I it's just a, a, an interesting turning point where this Le, this LeBron James team, because it is LeBron James's team, it's not Dwayne Wade's anymore, has become a, a superpower in the league. And at the moment, they're probably the only team that you'd put in that category, unless you know the Knicks can get it all together and the Clippers can get it all together and get it all working as perfectly as the Miami Heat do. Because Miami go into a game, yeah, they might lose one, but they, they get up from that, they bounce back, they say the right things in the press, whereas you go back four or five years and someone would have moaned or, you know, LeBron would have moaned about a teammate or something like that. That doesn't happen anymore because these guys were all, thre- you know, they're all friends, they came in the draft the same year, they, they've played together for, for two years now. I think they've, they've got this championship gel that, a lot of the teams in the league are lacking. And when we were talking about the um, Celtics and the Lakers earlier, I said about spitting up, you know, the Lakers championship sides. If the Miami Heat can keep this together, then I could see them challenging, you know, every year for the next five, six years. And if they can keep, you know, fit and healthy and keep adding role players who are willing to take 
you know, smaller contracts, then I, I think we're dealing with a real sort of phenomenon in sport, you know, that's not really been rivaled since probably, you know, the Manchester United sides of old that just used to dominate well, in the 90s. We, we're not going to talk about them on this show. No, but I thought I'd <laughs> resolute it back to something British. <laughs> no, you're, you're make... so, so naturally I thought of Man United. <laughs> <laughs> you, you make you make a very good argument with that. Um, I think a lot of it will come down to providing they don't get hammered with the new tax um, from the league. Uh, that that will be a, a strong influence because we we've mentioned it on a few shows that unfortunately that as much as we're gushing about how well. Uh, the Miami Heat are, are playing basketball at the minute. It's turning more into a business for the league as opposed to a sport with the trades that have been going on of late. So ho- hopefully that won't cripple somebody like the Heat and that we could see history in the making here. You know, something that you could go back to the Jordan and Pippen and Rodman era of the Bulls. And, and potentially even going back a little bit further to Magic Johnson's Lakers, you know, th- these sort of teams and, and players don't come around that often. But when they do, it is an absolute joy to watch. And going back to your statement about LeBron being um, selfish, there was an interview with Dwayne Wade after one of the games this week, and they asked him the same question. And they what Dwayne Wade came out and said is that they actually have to tell LeBron to shoot as opposed to pass. So if, Mm. if that's the mentality that the guy's got right now with the sort of points and numbers that he's putting up, just imagine if he was, um, 15, 20% more selfish, for example, that means he gets what four or five more shots a game. Then you could be putting an extra 10 to 15 points onto his scoring total at the minute. So I think right now they've got the right blend um, of professionalism out of LeBron, as well as, if you said, that friendship between Wade and Bosch. But then that also stretches to the bench. You know, when we've seen Cole come on or Miller come on, it's not like they are give the ball to LeBron or beyond the arc, give it to Ray Allen they're all getting involved. They're all playing for one another. And I think that's what makes it a joy to watch. Now that actually, that that is a really good point that when you, the one you brought up there about the, you know, the role players and the bench being friends, because last night it cut over, must've been, you know, five, seven minutes into the, the first quarter and the camera cut to the bench. And it was Mike Miller was having a chat with, um, oh, who was it? Norris Cole or one or the other and they were you know just laughing and joking and it was really funny because Chris Anderson was sitting between them and obviously he's the new boy so they weren't really talking to him (laughs) they were like tapping they were like leaning around him and talking and you could see this sort of you know this sort of almost brother type bond that these guys have got and I think I think if you go back and you watch the championship video from last year where they're in the locker room and they're all dancing like a bunch of utter nutters I think that sums up this team they have got there's there's a chemistry there between all these players because they've all you know like I said they've all chipped in some of these guys have taken lesser contracts than they'd have gotten if they'd have gone elsewhere and I think they've all come in and just you know Ray Allen has just slotted into this team you couldn't think of a more perfect you know person to just you know s- seamlessly integrate into your championship winning side and come the playoffs you know Ray Allen could be 
that difference maker who's, you know, getting it double digits every night. He comes off the bench. And let's just hope when it gets to the playoffs this year that all of the big three can stay healthy because I'd love to see what they're all capable of if they all stay healthy throughout the whole playoff series. Because last year, obviously, we had Chris Bosch went down and then the year before Wade was dealing with injuries. So if they can all stay healthy and then enter the playoffs as a completely, you know, integrated team orientated unit, then I think they, they're going to seriously sweep a lot of the teams they'll end up playing. <laughs> you, you're right. And I just hope that something happens and they don't sweep the Spurs because that would just, <laughs> that would just be too painful because when, when they're on their game, um, well, they can't sweep the Spurs. They're in a different conference. <laughs> they could sweep them in the final, my friend. That, You've got to get to the final first. <laughs> we will get to the final. I'm confident of that. I am confident of that. But that's only if, if our big three get fit. But even if you put... Um, you don't need your big three, man. You just win with one of them. <laughs> uh, yeah, in fairness, yeah. But you man mark Tony Parker, then we're going to struggle. Um, the, the, the basketball that Miami plays, I... I am a firm believer that the Thunder will break their streak because I think that the Thunder are the only team that can literally keep up the pace with Miami. There's not really that much of a, a speed difference between the two of those. And that's, that's how come the Thunder dominated the Spurs last season. They were just so quick and the Spurs literally couldn't keep up. I reckon arguably maybe, maybe the Knicks could slow them down or potentially um the nets but I, I out with that no 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 the nets would no the nets just they just they get steamrolled <laughs> i don't agree with that <laughs> and and, let, and let's not argue about the clippers here you know they they're putting up some uh, impressive they're the most athletic team in the league right the, after the miami heat they're the most athletic team yeah. in the league i think they'd compete with them the most you look at you know chris paul blake griffin they've got They've got the athletic starters and then they've got the experience on the bench as well. So I think that they could, they could really challenge Miami. Apart from if you go back to, you know, you know, the last match between them two and Miami blew them out, that would tell you different. So what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> I think they're a really weird enigma right now because we talk about Miami blowing, you know, who can compete with Miami and we say these teams and then you go back and you look at the scores and you're like, hang on, Miami manhandled them or, you know, they abused them. The teams this year that have struggled Miami have been the Minnows. It's been Golden State, Portland, you know, Charlotte. All these smaller teams have, have struggled Miami. And then it comes to them playing the elite sides and they just blow them away. I just, I don't know what it is. It's very odd. <laughs> True. But then it's these little teams that won't be in the playoffs to cause them those problems. No, I don't do that to Portland. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. After the game last, or before the game last night, uh, LeBron was caught talking to the, uh, the ESPN cameras because Michael Jordan had come out stating that he'd picked Kobe Bryant over him. Um, what do you, what do you think about that? He based, he based his, his, uh, his pick purely on championships, which is what you were saying. And, and if you come down to championships, then I can understand why he would base that pick on it. But if you're picking, um, a player based on how they're playing right now, then, you can't pick anyone but LeBron James. Um, granted, on his day, you know, uh, LeBron's hitting the twilight of his career and, and Kobe is, is sort of on the sunset of his. So y you can't really compare apples to apples with these two. If, if we give it another five years, see where LeBron is then, 
you can compare him to what Kobe is now. So I can understand why he would maybe have said that he would take Kobe over LeBron, but he's clearly not basing that on current form. No, it'll be interesting to see if Kobe's even in the league next year because when when Kobe was 17, he came out and he was quoted as saying, when I'm 35, I'll be long retired and I'll be you know with my family overseas somewhere. So I, I don't know. This season could be... That could be it for Kobe. He could just lose frustration with you know the Lakers organization, the the way they're going at the moment, and just just call it quits. And I don't think anyone would really blame him. I mean, I'd love to see him on you know sitting next to Shaq on NBA on TNT and <laughs> oh, the banter, the banter. <laughs> I, I think if you don't make the playoffs, I think that will motivate him to stay another season. If you get a good run in the playoffs and maybe lose in the conference finals or in or in the finals, you know, I know we're talking hypotheticals here, obviously, <laughs> but I, I think that would be the motivator for him. If you don't make the playoffs, I don't think he will want to go out on a playoff less season. Um, I, I think that that would probably, if you want to get another season out of Kobe, that would probably be the only way that it would happen. I reckon. Yeah. The, the debate's interesting. Um, we did put a thing up on Twitter and Chris Mahan, who listens to us, got back and he said that, Comparing um, LeBron James and Michael Jordan is is a silly debate to have at the moment because obviously LeBron James's career isn't over, whereas James's uh, whereas Jordan's is, and he said right now that he would pick Kobe over James purely because of the championships, which is what we were saying, and he said that the only argument you could have right now would be Kobe versus James. You can't compare, you know either of them to Jordan because they're both still playing until the careers are over for them both then yeah you can go off and you know argue all you like with the stats and the figures and the numbers so he, he makes a good point there <laughs> well, well we'll wait and you and I can have this discussion in about eight or nine years <laughs> we'll, 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 put, we'll put a diary and come back for a special episode <laughs> <laughs> and we'll tell you who the goat is really <laughs> February the 15th, 2021. Can we change the Cooney Lexus drive of the game, please? Or do another one? It's the shot of the year! How does he do it? Well, we do our top plays at the end of the season. I'm guessing that's going to be one of them. Wow. So, moving on from the uh, the endless debate that is Kobe, LeBron, and Jordan, because... Uh, Literally every single television channel in the States, sports-wise, has been going on about it for the past week. So we just thought we'd mention it over here, over across the other side of the pond. But uh, we're going to move on over to something more amusing right now. It was uh, Danilo Gallinari's impossible circus shot from last week. Uh, this was insane. I know you definitely tweeted about it. It was nuts. Off, <laughs> off balance, going for a layup. You could see the defender was there to block him. So he just chucked an arm up as he got shoved back. And honestly, it hit the rim, hit the backboard, hit the rim, <laughs> rolled around a little bit, hit the stanchion and went in. It was just nuts. But then the funniest thing about that is 
the crowd went nuts, the bench went nuts, and then Gallinari was sticking his chest out like, I totally meant that. <laughs> <laughs> I, could do, I could do that again if I really wanted to. But it was just one of those shots that, that comes around. It's, it's almost like a goal of the month competition to bring it back to, to football and soccer that you guys are more familiar with. This would get your shocker. This would get your basket of the month. Um, we'll, we'll put some, some feeds out for it so you can actually see it because as much as I'm talking about it, it's one of these that needs to be seen to be believed. And then when you've watched it a few times, Look at the bench's reaction when it goes in. You know, you would have just thought they'd won the league championship the way they reacted. It was that amazing a shot that, as the title says, it's an impossible circus shot. After um, an impossible shot, let's go to an impossible match. And I've only seen two games of basketball this week um, and what a couple of games of basketball I picked. And I'm going to talk to you about the Raptors at the Pacers. Now, we all know in basketball that saying there's 10 seconds left in a game, that's still three, potentially four possessions, depending on how the score is going. So, yep. let, another 10 minutes. <laughs> let's say that the Pacers are up by four points. So that means it's literally a two possession game with four seconds left. Rudy Gay gets the ball dribbles past a couple of defenders, puts a layup in, two points left. That means the opposition's then putting um, the ball in, and you would think, that's it, game over. They're just going to throw it down the court, catch it, and dribble out the clock. Mm-mm. Rudy Gay had other things on his mind. So he's just scored a layup. They get the ball, they inbound it, and they throw it half the length of the court. But who's there to intercept for the steal? Rudy Gay dribbles past a couple the of man. The man of the moment ties the game up with a buzzer beater. It then goes into overtime. Pacers are down by a point. Seconds are running down again. Who gets the ball? Rudy Gay steps back beyond the arc, nails a three. Raptors win it 100-98. to What a turnaround that is. And my goodness, what a game of basketball it was to watch. It was brilliant just seeing... We spoke about uh, the, the Lakers not having any heart, and, and Matt was was talking and waxing lyrical about his Lakers not battling <laughs> against Boston. Rudy Gay battled against the Pacers. It was his game, and he was the man of the moment. And if you can catch any of the highlights of that particular game, go and watch it. That shows you how much the tides can turn in a particular game of basketball, and it was just a joy to watch. Yeah, another one to check out from the past two weeks as well. If you've got something like League Pass, it was the uh, Denver and Celtics game that went to triple overtime. Um, Paul Pierce was simply stunning. And you forget, this is an aging Celtics team competing against a young up-and-coming Western Conference team. So it was it was certainly a mismatch in terms of you know physicality, but it went to triple overtime and it was pure you know NBA basketball at its purest and best and that's the reason we watched the game so go and check that out so on to the 10 greatest slam dunk contests of all time now this was an article on sportsillustrated.com you can go and find it on there now it's in the point forward section and they basically rated their top 10 slam dunk contests now i'm looking at a lot of these and uh gotta admit some of them i weren't born for (laughs) (laughs) that's so depressing that you say that why couldn't you just say you didn't see them why did, you have, why did you have to go and say that you weren't born for them? Oh, man. 
Well, well, I've I've seen some of them, you know, through through the magic that is YouTube. But um, no, I, I've quite a lot of them in here are actually recent ones. So uh, yeah, let's have a little discussion about these babies. So at number ten, we had the nineteen ninety slam dunk contest, which was Dominique Wilkins. He won that one. Yeah, I don't remember too much about this particular one. I think this was. I definitely don't. <laughs> Please tell me you were born for that. No. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Oh dear! Well, at least you've got an excuse for not watching it. I think my excuse was it wasn't on telly in the UK at the time, and that's my excuse, and I'm going to stick to it. Um, so no, I, unfortunately, I don't remember too much about this one. But if you go look at the highlights, um, you could see he was a deserved winner. Cool. And number nine, the 2003 uh, dunk contest. I was definitely born for this one. <laughs> that's good. I don't feel so bad now. Jason Richardson, uh, he outdueled David uh, Desmond Mason in the uh, final of that one. Uh, that was. A pretty spectacular one. It was just nice to see a Seattle Sonic player in a dunk contest. I think a, we'll get to the end you. of this and, and we'll realise that a few of the players should have been in the dunk contest that haven't been in there. Talking to you, LeBron. Oh, we know you're a listener. Next year, <laughs> dunk contest. No, no, Damien Lillard is a listener. Get it correct. Because <laughs> <laughs> he followed us on Twitter. Woo-hoo. No, seriously, I was excited like a kid that night. It was unbelievable. I was like, oh my God, Damien Lillard's following us on Twitter. And my voice really did go that high. I can quite believe it, it awesome. did. Mm. Uh, number eight was the 1987 Slam Dunk Contest. Michael Jordan, he uh, won that one. No surprise. What a surprise. <laughs> 1991, uh, won by Doe Brown. Don't know who that guy is, got to admit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have heard the name, but it's like I, D, I, not Doe. <laughs> D Brown, yeah, for the Celtics. You, you're testing my knowledge here. I have to admit, I am testing your knowledge. It's a good job one of us knows what we're talking about, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, number six, the 2011 slam dunk contest. Uh, Blake Griffin jumping over a what was it, a Kia or something ridiculous? Baron Davis. I can't hear you. I want to hear the quiet though. Let him jump over the quiet. It's not over. We also have a special guest for this dunk. Here he is right here, Baron Davis. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you got all the judges standing up. You got all the judges standing up. You got all the judges standing up. That's how you know you from the car. That was an interesting one. I didn't think it was that spectacular, to be honest. It's it, I it, exactly. I, I I like to see um, the dunks being more about individual skill. That was you could see why that won it because it was like, oh my god, he dunked over a car. Whereas really, <laughs> he he's not jumped that high or that far. Really, if you think about it. Whereas um, in that same dunk contest, um, it's bugging me now as to who it was, but. Um, first of all, they raised the height of the hoops by two foot and the bloke could still dunk it. Um, and then they brought in, yeah, that was Dwight Howard. 
Was it? No, it wasn't Howard because I don't think Howard competed in this one. Did he not? Was it? Was it in the what? In the 2011 one they raised it. I know they raised it for for Howard's slab. That, they they done it in that one, and then they also brought out a second hoop. So this bloke was dribbling both balls, then jumped in the air with both balls and dunked them both. And and I think that because I'm sure that was the the dunk that was in the final with Blake and. To me, a dunk contest, as much as it's all about the showbiz and the razzmatazz, um, I, I prefer myself a dunk that has a lot more individual skill to it. And being able to dunk two balls at once, I think it shows more <laughs> skill than being able to jump over a motor and dunk it. Well, the 2011 contest was uh, JaVale McGee, uh, DeVar DeRozan, Sergio Barker, Blake Griffin. So there was a, a nice mix of players in there. Athletic players as well. Sergio Barker is a beast. <laughs> he is, and and I think he he will be. Again, we were talk, going back to our previous statement with the Thunder. If the, those three can stay together, they're all young: Westbrook, um, Ibaka, and Durant. If they can all stay together, I think that you're right in saying that they'll be challenging the Heat. Yeah, number five was the uh, 1985 slam dunk contest. Yes, we don't recognise many people in that picture, do we? <laughs> what you mean countless amounts of all-stars <laughs> well that is that is the nba legends julius irving i got think Jordan all in there. Hall- clyde the gliders in there they're all hall of fames aren't they really if you think about it but look at those jerseys oh my goodness what you won't see them wearing football shirts would you talking about the jerseys they're wearing the retro ones now aren't they from like the 90s i really like some of them they should yeah keep wearing I, them. I really like the phoenix <laughs> one i've always been a fan my, of that sun's one from the 90s um my missus has got one with barkley on the back <laughs> <laughs> i really like the miami heat one i had to say it <laughs> i'm glad you said that not the lakers yeah number four uh 2008 superman himself mr dwight i moan that i've got an injury howard Oh, Superman's Superman in the Cape. building. Yeah, Superman Cape. Superman is in the building. Oh, he's going to put it on, right? <laughs> <laughs> Superman is in the building. Yes, he is. Clark Kent, he's winning the phone booth, and he comes out, and Superman is came to the building. Does look like Superman. He, does. <laughs> he got a body like Superman for real. He does. <laughs> He's got the cape moving. He's got it flapping. Oh my gosh. Oh! You win! You win, young fella! You win! Superman! Da-da-da! Again, that was a lot of razzmatazz, but if you saw that particular um, dunk contest, he jumped from the top of the key to dunk it. Yeah, I'll find the uh, I'll find the commentary and splice it in at some point, no doubt. And and I think as much as yes, he came out of a phone booth, done the Superman thing, 
He's coming out the phone booth. <laughs> I just remember Charles Bartley going off on one. He was so excited. I, I think that I I prefer that sort of reaction because it shows you that it, it is up there for the razzmatazz because as much as, you know, he came out of the phone booth, he put his cape on, he unveiled his Superman shirt, he still had to make the dunk. And to take off at the top of the key and launch yourself, be able to go into a Superman pose and still dunk, that's a shed load of talent, that is. He didn't have to put a car in front of himself to jump it. Another highlight of that one was uh, Gerald Green in the cupcake dunk. When that, he blew the cupcake Yeah, up. it was his birthday dunk, that's right. As a, yeah, that was jumped awesome. that high above the rim that um, he could blow the cupcake that was resting on the stanchion out. It's not that the, the ball didn't put it out. He literally was up that high, blew it, and then dunked the ball, which is just insane. Yeah, they've rated, um, they, they've given this a legacy rate and they gave it 10 out of 10 saying that Dwight Howard's dunks sit beside Vince Carter's from 2000. So, uh, we can argue that in a minute. <laughs> uh, number three, 1986 slam dunk contest, Spud Webb. He won that one. And what's good about Spud Webb? He's five and a half foot. <laughs> He's shorter than me. <laughs> five and a half foot and he won a slam dunk contest. I'm lucky if I can touch the backboard. You know, this boy dunked and won the slam dunk contest. And I think that purely comes down to skill. There wasn't so much razzmatazz with him. There was a few behind the heads, windmills, tomahawks, the usual stuff that you would get from your six foot sixes and six foot seveners, not a five foot sixer and a five foot seven. Um, He's round there, I'm sure. But he could jump. He could jump almost his own height just to go and dunk the basketball. And that is just amazing. What's happening, everybody? And here is the man that this crowd wants to see. He's got the swagger. He's got it all. The same kind of swagger that the Dominiques and the Joints have. The new millennium would bring a new king of the slam dunk court, the invincible Vince Carter. And by the time he came down to earth, the dunk contest was no contest. And here is Vince I tell you, I, I look like I've done it before, but inside I was like, Ooh. I'm glad that worked. Ah! And Vince adding to the repertoire. Hey, Michael, move over. Somebody's coming to get your best dunk ever. Next day. Oh, it's over. It's over, ladies and 
the spot grab and threw it the bounce pass and threw it to himself and dunk it. Impossible. Oh, my goodness gracious. It is over. Did I call it, Danny, or what? Vince Carter with a spectacular show. So number two was uh, the infamous 2000 slam dunk contest with Vince Carter and Tracy McGrady, both of the uh, Toronto Raptors at the time. Have to admit, this is my favorite one. Out of all the ones I've watched, this is my favorite one. You got all- I think it's just the pure excitement from everybody, uh, the sh- sheer amount of dunks that Vince Carter and McGrady were doing. I mean, bef- everyone was like, oh, they're going to work together. And then when they did work together, they pulled off some incredible dunks and, you know, Vince Carter just put on a show that night and he was in the first round he clearly he was through but his final dunk he put on you know like a 360 windmill just to show off to everyone it was like this this guy's serious <laughs> it it was definitely more of a highlight real slam dunk contest than than I can remember um I would say it's my second favorite of all time um you'll you'll chastise me for my favorite one I'm sure you can guess it <laughs> Can you guess my favorite no. one? No? Wow, I'm surprised. Is it the one you went to? Yay! <laughs> Don't get me wrong. freaking Dallas All-Star game. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. Nate Robinson won that particular one. And, yeah, the fact that we were there for that, um, that will, unless I go again, that will always be my number one. But um, in, in terms of actual contests that were, were any good, because in fairness, that wasn't the best one. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, th- Despite this, the arena and the uh, fantastic, you know, razzmatazz around it it wasn't great no but this one is right up there you're right with that i I wasn't too impressed uh, well not so much impressed the the windmill was good but i think his whole 360 behind the head jam was probably my highlight um of that particular contest oh yeah him and mcgrady just they were capable of such crazy moves it was ridiculous like the way they could bend their arms and stuff while they were in the air was just absolutely ridiculous the 361 especially because didn't he get a didn't he take the pass from mcgrady for that one that's right yeah but it threw his legs and then up and around oh man it was just insane (laughs) and it made kobe bryant's one from 1997 look like you know a kid on a school playing field (laughs) so the uh, the winner which uh, doesn't really surprise anyone he needs a 48 to tie a 49 to win the defending slam dunk champion michael jordan if he were to win this, he'd be the only two-time winner in the four-year slam dunk competition. Larry Nance won it, Dominique, Spud Webb, Jordan, and Michael is backing all the way to the middle of the backcourt. Now he's going to the baseline. Well, the crowd lets you know what they think of it. Now we will wait for the judges. A 48 ties, a 49 1988 slam dunk contest uh, Michael Jordan with the infamous uh, duel with uh, Dominique Wilkins I've got a post of that on my wall it's awesome in fairness it's probably the most famous sort of poster um, for a dunk contest if you think about it and and in general because now it's on everybody's trainers (laughs) 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 his whole sort of flying man Air Jordan pose when when you think of legacy sort of pictures or or if you're thinking about 
the NBA and what sort of things come to your mind, that picture has got to be in the forefront of the majority of people's minds. Um, and, and quite rightly so, that he won the contest that particular year. Well, that's the, the whole Jordan brand thing is just, you know, sensational. I was reading an article on uh, NBA Yahoo earlier on. And he still earns $80, $80 million a year for doing nothing. <laughs> just from, you know, advertising revenues from Nike and, you know, posters and whatnot. It's just crazy. <laughs> well, he, as much as he's a person, he's, he's more of a brand, if you think about it. No one, no one calls him Michael. You know what I mean? It's always either Jordan or MJ. And I, I, what did I catch? During the week, he was slagging somebody off. Um, there were some players wearing his shoes and they were having a really poor performance. And he, <laughs> he was asked about, um, how they were playing and his return was, Oh man, they're embarrassing my shoes. <laughs> that was just awesome. I, I'll need to find the clip for you so you can put it in, but uh, it wasn't his Charlotte team, was it? I, I hope not. I really hope not, but I can't be sure. Um, but I, I just remember hearing that and it was like, oh, that made me chuckle. Really did make me chuckle. He went, he, he went on a, he had a one on one game with someone from the podcast, didn't he? And he actually beat them despite being, that's you know, where he had a game of force. I think. Yeah. All <laughs> his playing spot against the wall. It's the same idea. Um, yeah. And he still won. Yeah. <laughs> and that Bobcats team's young. That's not an old team. <laughs> True. Right, uh, so we've we've definitely gone over our hour mark, so we'll, we'll wrap it up nice and quickly here. Uh, you can check us out at the uh, usual web address of uh, the doubleclutchpodcast.wordpress.com. Should be changing soon. I say this should. <laughs> um, we're also going to have to have a look at moving the iTunes feed to Libsyn. I know Tom Reed messaged us on Twitter saying Libsyn are a really good one to use, so we might have a look at that. Um, the other day, I also put out a tweet saying, "What do you guys uh, think about the Sky coverage?" And um, some people got back. Uh, Chris Moen said that the Sky coverage is okay, but it convinced him to buy a league pass because uh, they only show the top teams, and he wants to watch the you know, you know the young and up and coming teams. So that was a good point. And uh, JB he also commented saying he definitely prefers ESPN UK's coverage, and it would be a shame if they they were to go because I heard well Tom Tom Reed told me the other day that apparently they're being um, they're being shut down after this year or something because they haven't got Premiership football rights. Which is a bit of a shame, really. So, um, if they go, then we'll miss, you know, we'll miss Magic and Charles and stuff on the, uh, halftime shows. That's unfortunate. Which, which is a real shame. Unless they employ you and me, Sky's commentary is packed. Me and you are the new Stephen A. Smith and <laughs> whatever his name is, the other guy. Can't really With remember. With no regard for human life. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I completely agree. Like, I've caught highlights during the week of the Sky games and, it's nice because they literally just use the feed, but when it cuts to the, you know, them in their room, it's just so boring. And they just they pick people from their other sports and just get them to talk about basketball. It doesn't really work. And they get in, you know, so-called experts. And it's like, hey, this guy played one year in the BBL or something ridiculous. It's like, can't we have anybody, you know, who's got a little bit more knowledge of the actual NAS- you know, National Basketball Association rather than the BBL because we're not watching the BBL. <laughs> The BBL games have been on quite a lot the past week as well. I saw catch yep. caught the last few minutes of one the other night, which was awesome to watch. Rocks had a good win the, the the other week as well, and got the BBL trophy final coming up soon as well, which is up here in Glasgow. So I shall be nipping along to that. Looking forward to it. Sweet. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Double Clutch Free. Remember when you are on Twitter to use the hashtag NBA in the UK. With uh, we tend to use that every Sunday night when we all watch NBA on Sky, or when you guys watch it and I'm at work. <laughs> 
we also try and get our game reports up for those. So the weekend we had a game report up for the uh, Lakers and the Heat matchup, which was done by Tom Wright. So I, I thank you for that. And um, yeah, I put up a, a, my article about the Oklahoma City Thunder. And the week before that, we had Bish Bash Boss, which is also by Tom Wright about the uh, Raptors and the Heat game. That was a, that was definitely a fun one to watch. That was one of Rudy Gay's uh, standout games. So uh, just check out the blog. Keep an eye on the uh, iTunes feed just to see if it stays in the same place. If we move it across, what I'm going to do is I'm going to set it to the professional section instead of the amateur because it looks like we're not getting as many listeners as we probably could because we're in the amateur section. So if I stick us across to professional, it should help us up that a little bit, which is cool. You got anything to say, Andy? Thanks for listening. See you in a fortnight. (laughs) Bye-bye. God, those Lakers are bad. (laughs) It's time for... EJ's Nino Satellite. Sponsored by... Oh now, if you were watching last week, and we know you were, um, set yourself a fire. We, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Charles was having uh, a little uh, bit of fun at LeBron's expense, oh. talking about his receding hairline and the fact that the, that the <laughs> headband, <laughs> headband had been changing through the years, okay. and who knows where it would be. And I hope LeBron liked it, man. Yeah, basically, you were encouraging him to. Come on home, home and, and shave your hair like other, every other bald black guy yeah. who had a receding hairline and came on home. <laughs> we, came are, home baby. we were not going to just let that story lay out there. It, it, it was crying for some investigative reporting and oh uh oh, and a special that uh, this is a TNT original. Watch. LeBron, you've been faced with tough decisions before. You're familiar with the process. Uh, I am too. I, uh, I got a little process I'm, I'm dealing with as well. Um, but that evidence from the headbands is uh, is pretty unmistakable. Uh, how are you dealing with the process? Um, this process has been everything I've thought um, and more. No, I, I understand. I understand totally. Um, have you had your scalp looked at by anybody professionally? I mean, do you, do you have any idea how many hair follicles you have up there? Uh, not many. So it's a very, very small number, and I probably could count it on my fingers. I'm <laughs> <laughs> sorry to hear that. Hey, Charles has been saying, come home. His way of saying, shave your head. Um, have you given that much thought? Have you consulted anyone? Um, this morning, um, I woke up, I had a, a great conversation with my mom, and uh, you know, once I had that conversation with her, I think I was uh, I was set. So, is it safe to say you 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 are going to come home? You're going to join Kenny and and Charles and Shaq in the in the hairless club? That was the conclusion I woke up with this morning. All right, King. The uh, next move is yours. <laughs> Yo, I have no part of it. <laughs> I can't. I'm not even going to. What does it mean? I'm not even going to set, man. And then this is too far. Ernie took it too far, man. It wasn't me. Hey, Ernie, man. Charles Buckley. I've been watching back in Miami. Let's tell you what, boy. You 
Yeah, watch it back in Miami. I'm hey, done. On, I'm not <laughs> the same situation. Uh, I'm not oh, down with that one. It wasn't me, LeBron. <laughs> I'm not down with that one. It was Charles, it was oh, Charles Cornelius oh, Barkley. Hey. Oh, hey, no, oh Kenny Latifah, one of my Kenny. favorite people oh. in the world. Are you serious, Ernie? Hey, LeBron, we're just joking, man. Kenny chomping shit. We love you. Ernie, man, you off the chain right now. You're off the chain, man. Ernie, man, you ain't right. <laughs> you are not right, hey, man. Oh, my God. Yo.